0: Hey friends, welcome back to Anchored and Always. I'm so excited about my guest on today's show. She is my sponsor with Celebrate Recovery. Um, But more than that, she has become just one of my closest friends, uh, my sister in Christ, and, um, she has just been instrumental in my walk of recovery, um, through all of our trials with Marcus. Like she's just been a support for me and an encouragement. And I've just been so blessed by this woman. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear a little bit of her story today. Um, so with that, Omelie, welcome to Anchored and Always. I'm so happy to have you here. And if you could just, um, just take a couple minutes and just tell the listener a little bit about yourself, that would be great.
1: Hi, Katie. My name is Omalie. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, It's an honor and a privilege to be on your podcast today. Um, I am a mother of two wonderful boys. Um, My oldest is in college at West Point. And uh, right now the Army Navy game is going on. And so go Army, beat Navy. Sorry for any Navy listeners. But that's that's where our family stand. And then I have my 16-year-old, who's currently in high school, and I'm married to a wonderful man, Um, Sean. He's been the love of my life and just the anchor in my life uh, for 21 years now. Um, February uh, 19 will be our 22nd anniversary. And so we live in Clarksville. I'm a nurse anesthetist, and um, that's all I have.
0: Yes, only and you do have such a beautiful family. I know you're so proud of your boys. Um, so only if you can just, you know, share with the listener today a little bit about your story and just what your childhood was like, what were some of the hardships that you faced um, in your life that brought you to where you are now?
1: So Katie, as your listeners could probably tell that I have an accent. I, uh, I was born and raised in Jamaica I was one of four for my mom and one of several for my dad. Uh, My mom was a single parent mom. I was raised in a single parent home. My dad left at an early age and migrated to America. And so my mom was pretty much left to take care of uh, four children, actually six children, Katie. Two wasn't hers uh, that my dad left on her. So as a single parent mom in Jamaica, um, she was forced to do a, a few things for survival um, of herself and, and for her kids. And one of those things included that she would have to send us to live with uh, family members until she kind of get established and back on her feet after the realization that my father wasn't coming back um, to help at all. So with that being said, my mom sent us to live with my grandparents. And as during this time that I suffered, tremendous physical, verbal, and sexual abuse by the hands of family members. Um, We were also not permitted to go to school um, during this time as well. My grandmother kind of felt like it wasn't uh, worth the time to send us to school. And so we're basically the Cinderella's, my brother, my sister, and I were basically the Cinderella's of the family. We were the ones that were made to fetch the water for 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 showers and for cooking. We were the ones that were um, meant to. Uh, to get the wood for to make fire for, for the meals, to cook meals. And so that was basically our life uh, for a very long time living with my grandparents. Uh, daytime, including very much labor work, if we were fetching water or wood, we were getting um, uh, stuff to, for my grandmother to take and sell at the market, um, including fruits or coffee or whatever it is that my grandmother needed to take to the marketplace to sell. And so that was my life. And then in the, at nighttime, I, that's where I suffered the majority of my sexual uh, abuse by the hands of family members. So my childhood um, for, for a long time was very traumatic. And until my mom got word of what was happening, um, she came and she took us from my grandparents and we went to live with her after a while. And at the age of 10, going on 11 at this point in time is when my mother realized that um, we, I could not read or write. And so um, at the age of 10 or 11, that, that had to be the case for my mom, where she had to teach me how to read or write all over again. Very uh, devastating for my mom. Remember, I remember my mom crying during this time because she realized how far behind I was in my education and how much work that needs to happen in order for me to have a successful life as a young lady in, um, in Jamaica. In Jamaica, we we don't uh, automatically go to high school. Um, like here in America, you have to pass a, a, an exam in order to go to high school. And so um, you start taking that exam at the age of 12 and your cutoff is uh, 14. So just picture, my mom had three years to get me to a high school level education, pretty much. Wow.
0: Uh, and,
1: and so it was... It was a lot of work for my mom, was a lot of work for me. Um, not only did I have a traumatic life um, for a while there living with my grandparents, but now it's a different kind of trauma living with my mom because that time it was, there was no play. There was no time to play. There was no hanging out with friends. It was study, study all the time. And, and it was, in my opinion, it was miserable. And there's been so many times that I was like, oh, Oh, I just, I just wish I would just die (laughs) Mm -hmm. because this is just miserable. But I understand now as a mom and looking back, what my mom was trying to accomplish, even though at the time I felt like I just hated it. She knew that if I didn't pass that exam to go to high school, I would have to learn a trade because that is the way it was in Jamaica. You either go to high school or you learn a trade and you only have a certain amount of time to do that. And so that was the case for me. and, And I was it, it, it took my mom three years to get me there, but believe it or not, she got me to the point where my last year, well, I had that last year for me to take my exam and make it and pass it. And I did, and it was amazing. It was wonderful for my family. My mom was excited and I did pass my exam. I went to high school and, um, fast forward a few years later, my dad finally shows up in a picture and, um, He. He came and he decided he wanted to take us, um, bring us to America um, to to have us have a better life is what he says, um, get better opportunities for us um, here in America. And so he did. He brought us to America. We came into America in uh, the dead of winter to New York. Hmm. Lord, that was absolutely miserable. <laughs> I remember at the age of 16 thinking, please just take me back home uh but uh we lived with our dad for a few months and then uh, there's an occasion that happened between my sister and my dad and uh caused a, a big issue with the family and so my dad pretty much left us um to fend for our, ourselves in the basement of this home that he was renting at the time and so at the age of 16 and my brother 13 uh we my sister and I and my brother were left alone again. The same th- trio, it's the same trio. The trio that was left in uh, with my grandparents is the same trio that left in New York to fend for ourselves at age of 13, 16 and 17. And so it it, it became a rough life. We kind of adapted to the environment in which we were in. It was a very bad environment. And so we kind of adopted that lifestyle of that thug ghetto lifestyle is what I call it. Cause you, you just have to live to that lifestyle in order to survive. But after a while I decided that that was not what I wanted to do. I needed something bigger and better for myself and for my family. And so I decided to join the military and uh, to better myself to, and, and, and to help to better my, brothers, my brother and sister. And so that's what I did, I joined the military. But this is the military was a savior and it also was a, a, a very bad thing for me at the same time. It was in the military where I developed some very bad habits based on some probably very much underlined things that was that was suppressed for for many, many, many years for me. And that is in my survival mode. Uh, So military had a height and weight standard and um, uh, I wasn't going to fail that height and weight standard. And. But I did on several occasions and this kind of triggered the voice that I've heard for so many years growing up that I would never amount to anything, that I'm a loser and I'm a failure. Those those words that were said to me over and over by my grandmother, over and over, telling me who I am. And in, in my grandmother's eyes and in other people's eyes at the time, as a kid, it was I was a failure. I was never gonna amount to anything. And so I wasn't gonna let that be the case for me in the military. And so that forced me to do certain things. And, and that includes the abuse that I sustained to my body. And I became very much had developed an eating disorder. And at first I just thought I was doing it to maintain my height and weight standard for the military. And, um, I could control it at any given point in time. And unfortunately that wasn't the case for me. Um, once you trigger that part of your brain, it's hard to rewire it back Mm -hmm. to its original state. And I open Pandora's box per se when it comes to that. And so all these suppressed emotions that was always been there rose its ugly head during this time. And then when I look in the mirror, I started to see images that wasn't true. I started to see the images of the lies that were told to me for so many years. And even the lies that I started telling myself because I started to believe those, those lies that were spoken into my lives, my life uh, for all those years. And so I begin to see this big, fat, ugly person every time I look in the mirror and I was disgusted every time I looked at her in the mirror and I wanted nothing more than for that person in the mirror to be beautiful. And I was going to do whatever it takes for that person to be beautiful. And so um, that just started a very, very, very dangerous um, lifestyle for me that for so long, I thought I had control over and, 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 and proven that that wasn't the case for a very long time. And suffered um, very badly uh, physical, but also caused a lot of issues with my family as well.
0: Wow. Wow. Normally, that is just so incredible. Um, just so much um, that you had to face as a young child, and even you know, early adulthood, young adulthood, um, and it's just incredible. Me knowing where you're at now, which the listener's going to hear in a few minutes, but just everything that you had to endure, um, and 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 the impact, not only that it had on, on yourself, but you know, your family um, I'm sure your marriage just um, it's just powerful. And I think a lot of people um, you know, we don't understand a lot of times why we struggle right now in our life, in relationships with people or with our job or how we respond to conflict. We don't necessarily understand how, um, how events that happened in our past or as we were children, um, that a lot of times we try to like push back and forget about, but how those cause triggers and and really we find that, you know, we we numb or we try to solve that problem on our own and we cause more harm than good. Um, and we and we just stay in this kind of sense of denial that we're just gonna, we're just gonna fix it, we're gonna move forward. Um, but we can't, we can't necessarily move forward until we've addressed the underlying issues. Um, you know, I hear so many people say stuff like, um, I struggle with alcohol or I struggle with eating disorders. And so they just try to fix that problem. I'm just going to stop drinking, or I'm just going to stop, um, making myself throw up or whatever the case is, they're going to stop the behavior. But what we find is it's something underneath that that's causing the behavior, and I know I know that's true, what you discovered. So if you could just share with the listener, um, what was the biggest influence in your life? What was, what was it that changed in your life that brought healing and helped you to really start to move forward and heal from your past?
1: You know, Katie, I'm going to address something that you said, and you're right about um, sometimes uh, we don't understand what is causing us to behave the certain way we're behaving. And we just feel like if we remove that one thing, then our life will be better. If I can just stop drinking, I'm going to be better. If I can stop being bulimic, then I would be better. And what I've learned throughout my, my life as I was going through my issues is that's not necessarily the case. Even for me, there were so many times I would get so angry about different activities. Things that were happening to kids, like if a kid was sexually abused, and I always used to say, "Man, that is so terrible." I, I, I hope I'm so happy that never happened to me in my lifetime. And, and, and the funny thing about that is, it did. But in my survival mode as human beings, I suppressed it so far that it was nowhere in my immediate recollection in my brain that that actually happened to me. And that's the defense mechanism of our bodies that, uh, it it does that. It puts you to a point where you you suppress certain memories because it hurts so bad, but yet still it's a recorder that's constantly playing in the background. And it does affect everything about who you are, what you do and how you operate and go about life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes removing one element doesn't mean it's gonna fix the entire problem. Addressing the underlying problem is what's gonna fix the problem. Yes. And so, with that being said, for me, how did I get to this point in my life of what I call peace and serenity? Is being introduced to celebrate recovery. Um, I, I remember being in church and just every 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 week, just so broken and just so hurt and wanting to be the. The woman that Christ made me to be, and I know that where I was at the time, Katie, that that's not where He wanted me to be. But mm-hmm. I was so broken and so hurt that I didn't know where to start. What? What? What is? What is wrong with me? Why can't I get it right? Why can't I just do right? And and so I got introduced to Celebrate Recovery, and it's in this program that everything started to change for me. Um, going through the one year 12 step and really diving into my hurts habits and hangups and diving into my past and doing an inventory that inventory was the most, was the hardest thing for me to do, but it was the best thing I could have done because like I said earlier about not having any recollection of being sexually assaulted and abused as a kid and just is in this recovery program is where those memories came back, sight, sound, smell, everything about that incident came back and it was the most painful memory that I could possibly have and God, it hurt, but it needed to come out in order for me to address it and move on Mm -hmm. and start my journey to freedom, to recovery to be the woman that Christ called me to be. And it wasn't the woman that was locked into a world of self-hatred and hopelessness. And that's where I was for so long, was in a world of self-hatred and hopelessness. So this program helped me to to see who I am in Christ. This Christ-based program not only helped me to dig into my past and see what the underlying problem was, but also it gave me tools to develop myself into being the woman that Christ called me to be and to be the woman I am today. I
0: love to hear stories like this where, um, and we hear them all the time in celebrate recovery. That's why everybody loves testimony night on, um, you know, at celebrate recovery. We all get excited to hear these stories of just um, how God just takes the broken parts of our stories um, and, and just turns it into um, a beautiful masterpiece. And, and it's all these broken pieces that he just puts together into our, our full story, our redemption story. Um, yeah. that, and then when people hear that, um, it's just so powerful because I know so many times I've had conversations with women and, and they feel like they've been hurt too much, or they've hurt somebody else too much, or they've, they've messed up too much. And there's just no way that they're, they're ever going to be able to move forward. Um, and God's not going to forgive them, or they've, there's just been too much damage. And, and yet we hear so many times, um, and like your powerful testimony and, and my story as well, where, you know, it's often in those really hard stories that we see God's glory the most. Yeah. Um and I just love to hear it it's so it's just so powerful and I think it just gives people so much hope you know that you are never too far gone for the Lord to reach down and just completely change your entire life um and then he uses our stories um to to help other people so that we can share as we share our stories like you're doing um and I know you've shared your testimony many times at celebrate recovery and there's probably women you don't even know that, you know, you've impacted their life by sharing your story and just being vulnerable and honest. Um, and so that is just so beautiful and so powerful. Um, what, so tell us a little bit now. So you, you know, you went through all these hardships, um, as a child and in your life, and it had this great impact, you know, negatively on you as far as body image and body dysmorphia and your relationships, you know, with people, um, and then you found Celebrate Recovery and you started digging it up and finding healing and, and re- restoration and recovery. So where are you now? What, How is God using all of this, your past and your healing to um, impact your life now and other people's
1: lives? So first thing I had to do, Katie, was uh, forgive myself. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I had to do was forgive myself. The, it's the hardest thing for, for a lot of people that I have met throughout the people I have been able to counsel, but it, the hardest thing is, is first forgive myself. That's how I, I, I started turning the tides as well. And, and also forgiving those who have hurt me, mm-hmm. which is another very hard thing to do. The, and it, one of the hard things for me to do was forgive myself, but another hard thing for me was to forgive two very important people. And, and that was gonna be another tight turning for me in moving forward to be the one I need to be. And that was forgiving my dad. Mm. My dad, I have so many years I've said, you are the reason why we ended up in the situation we ended up. If you didn't leave us, if you didn't walk away, if you didn't abandon us, we wouldn't be in the situation we were in. My mom wouldn't be forced to put us in, sent uh, us to live with her, with with family members, and we wouldn't be subjected to the abuse we were subjected to, and 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 so for a long time, I I really had a hard time forgiving my father. And then on top of that, when you felt like you were going to redeem yourself, you did a, another bad thing and left us in 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 a very. I thought you banned us in Jamaica. You really banned us in New York because I really didn't know anything about New York, about this new world we're living in. And so that was one of another thing, but another major one is forgiving my offender. The person that sexually assaulted me the most, that caused me the most pain and had and so much trauma in my life. And so, yeah, those were that was one of the main things. But now today, I am able to, to mm-hmm. serve women, in, in, in not just in the capacity of an eating disorder, body dysmorphia, but in the capacity of hopelessness which is a huge thing in our world today. Hopelessness is so huge today in our society. There's so many people walking around that is so hopeless and, 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 and with social media and everything that's happened that telling people who they should be and people listening to that so much more than they ever have before. I have encountered a lot more men and women that are living a life of hopelessness. So I feel like the things that have happened to me have allowed me to have compassion when I see people in a state of hopelessness and and or just being able to be of help to to women who are having an eating disorder Uh, and not just women, but teens, young teenage girls. I I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten from um, women that, you know, says, Hey, you know, this person knows you, you, and they have gone through a CR with you. And they said, you know, you had an eating disorder and, and you recovered from it. And here's my daughter now that's having an eating disorder. Can you mentor my daughter? Can you walk my daughter through this? And, and so not only am I a mentor for, um, adult women, but I'm also a mentor for these teenage girls who now have so much issues with their self-image and, and, and their, their body and self-worth. And, and because I've been there, because I have walked that journey, that painful journey of self-hatred and body dysmorphia, low self-esteem, I'm able to look these girls in the eyes and relate with them. Like they can relate, like I'm not just saying something that I've never had to walk through. I can relate. And I think on that level, it's a more personal level and I get more response uh, based on that. But also in my immediate family, I'm able to even help my teenage son. You know, it's a hard thing for a young man to say to have a body image issue. And so um, when my, because my son knows my story because a program that's allowed me to be real open, honest and authentic at all times, and not just when I am sitting with amongst the, the members of, of Celebrate Recovery or whatever, just all the time in my home, in at my workplace, wherever I am, it has allowed people to be um, open and, and, and talk and confess certain things that they probably would never do to anyone else. And, and that included my son was able to come and say, hey, I really hate my body. And, and I really, eat. the hardest thing for a parent to ever hear is when they're their child says, I feel like I want to kill myself because they hate themselves so much. Mm-hmm. And so um, when my son was able to say that to me in confidence and know that his mom wasn't going to look at him and condemn him and just going to love on him and guide him in a way, and kind of just using the same tools that she learned in sober recovery that has gotten her to the place where she's at in a healthier state. That's what's important to me. And that's what I feel like, you know, has driven me to continue to live the life I'm living, continue to, you know, get healthy and continue to be a service to others in the community and to my family and um, continue to do God's work as he has called me to do and continue to speak the um, Jeremiah 29, 11 to, to everyone I meet. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This I know fully well. That's a beautiful scripture that I lived on for many years. And in the times when I felt like I was never going to make it out of my addiction and out of the state I was in, I kept repeating that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. He knows the plan he has for me and he, his plan is beautiful. And I just need to stay the course.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I just, um, that just is so beautiful. And a couple things that you said really stood out to me. The first thing was just, um, you know, if you're listening today and, and you're like what only just said about, um, you're thinking that if this one person in, in your life would just get it together. And if they would just, um, get help or they would start acting the way they should act or treat you better. If they would just change, then your life would be better. Um, or if this hadn't happened, then I would be okay. And so I think a lot of us can relate to that, um, you know, just, just that thought process. And I know I, I related to that too, for a long time, I felt like if, if my husband would just, um, stop lying to me or stop, um, the substance abuse or stop the infidelity, then we could have a happy marriage. And, and yes, Mm -hmm. that's partly true, but I was finding that there was a lot that I needed to address. And that was all I had control over. Not, we don't have control over the people in our lives. And so if you're listening today, I hope, I hope that you can hear that in what only said um, that, although there were people that hurt her, she started to find healing when she was able to take control of her own thoughts and her own attitude. And, and um, that's where you really find healing right there. Um, The second thing is just Um, the impact that it has on other people. Uh, I love Jeremiah 29, 11, but another verse that came to mind was, you know, he comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others with the comfort we have received from him. And I hear that so much in your story. And I see that myself too, that when we become vulnerable and willing to share our stories, uh, powerful things happen and people begin to open up and they, they don't feel so isolated and alone anymore. they, They, they look at you or they look at me and they say, man, she, she's walked this path and, and look at the hope in her eyes. And um, maybe there's hope for me too. And so I hope if you're, if you're listening to to the show today, that you hear that as well, that there are other people that have gone through what you have gone through or are going through what you're going through. um, And, and there is hope that, that you can have a joy filled, um, fulfilling life. Despite your circumstances, don't
1: let anyone tell you who you are mm. or who you're supposed to be. Believe who Christ says you are, you are, and who you're going to be. Because my grandmother told me for many years that I will never amount to anything in life. That you know, I was a waste of time and. Believe me when I tell you, I've forgiven my grandmother. I, 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 I had forgiven her. Went to her funeral when she died. No, I have no hard feelings for anybody in my life that had caused me injury. Let me tell you, and that's another beautiful thing about walking a journey of recovery is your the beauty of forgiving. But I, I went from believing that 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 saying about who I am that other people put in my head that I almost walked that out fully, but. Being encouraged by my husband who's been a b- a big influence in my life to to not believe those things but also believing who Christ says i am, I am now a nurse anesthetist, like one of the most prestigious jobs that you know uh, you can have it took a lot of work a lot of a, a lot of education and but I made it I did mm-hmm. it and and so if I had believed the lies that were told to me, I would have just settled for whatever I could settle for because that's what I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Because that's what my grandmother said I was going to be. That's what people said I was going to be. That's what the bullies in class tell me I was going to be. You know, whatever the case is, you know, no one expected uh, uh, me to turn out the way I turned out. No one did. But Christ knew exactly what I was going to be. Just as long as I trust them, trust the process, walk it through and not listen to what I normally tell my kids, the noise, the noise of everything else around us that tells us who we are or who we should be, because that's not the truth at all. If, you want, if we want to know who we are, who we should be, it's, it's written in the Bible. And that's, that is what I started directing myself towards more what the Bible says I, who I am. Those are the scriptures I put on my, my mirrors for so many years. Instead of looking at myself, I look at those scriptures instead and rehearse them in my head to the image that used to be in the, in the mirror that used to be an ugly, wretched person became a very beautiful woman when I look in the mirror because I reprogram my mind to see what God saw, not what the world told me I should see.
0: Yes, that is so good and such a powerful message. I think so many people need to hear. So yes, thank you for um for sharing that. um and really, just closing with that only if if um if you could just um, close us with a prayer today over the listener, that woman specifically who who is feeling hopeless and just doesn't feel like like, she believes that God has something good for her. Um, If you could just kind of close this episode with a prayer over her, that would be awesome. And just thank you so much again for just being so vulnerable and spending time with me today and just sharing your amazing story. We just love having you here. Thank you so much.
1: First of all, thank you, Katie, for having me. But here, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be on this podcast with Katie. I thank you for... Um, the healing that you've brought to my life and to her life. I've watched her walk out this, her journey and in recovery, God. But God, I pray for the, the women that are listening to this podcast. God, you know exactly who needed to listen to this podcast, who needed to listen to my story, who it's going to resonate with, Lord. And I pray for the women that are listening that may feel hopeless right now, that may feel like they don't belong, that, that, they are done for. Whatever the case is, whatever thoughts they're having that are, are, are a lie right now, I just pray, God, that you help them to see that there's no such thing as being hopeless, not when, you're in the, in the, uh, when you are our father. Let them see who they are, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're beautiful in your sight, Lord. Help them to grab a hold of that truth the truth of the beauty that they are and not the lies that they've told themselves or the world have told them or whatever they have encountered in their life have caused them to believe because we know that's a lie. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We've all encountered things in our lives that have caused our brains to be, I call brainwashed in certain ways. But I know God that with you, we can reprogram our minds to see the beauty that you've made. We thank you and we praise you. In your name I pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored In Always. I will put the group link in the show notes. You can also email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com. Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help me spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Another way you can do this is to take a quick minute and subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.